Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, you're in the room, you're watching online. We're really glad that you are worshiping with us today. And we've got a couple of more weeks left in our parable series. We're going to launch a new series in a couple of weeks. We're just talking about the importance of what it is that we do. What does it mean to be a part of God's church, His community, and why that's so important? We're looking forward to that. But we've got a couple of more weeks of this. And I need to tell you that we're cheating just a little bit, and we've moved a little bit out of parables over the next couple of weeks, and really just kind of more just metaphors that Jesus uses. So that technically we're not doing a parable, so you don't have to send me an email later to tell me that I don't know what a parable is. We've been doing... <laughs> Anyways, okay, so... Um, I was hanging out with some awesome people um, uh, this week. I think it was Thursday night. Uh, some people who are serving as missionaries and doing some really awesome things. And I was talking to them. And, 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 as, and as we're walking back from dinner to this meeting that they had to go to, they asked me this question. It was pretty simple. It was profound. It was probably a little bit more of a question than we had time for in the walk between the car and the door. They said, man, I love the way they phrase it. Can you give me 30 seconds? What is God doing with this virus? I'm like, well, okay. All right, so you want 30 seconds. And um, I, 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 I guess I could give you the 30 seconds that I gave them. But uh, to, me, the, to me, the question, it's, it's really interesting. Because we just started talking about really kind of what God's priorities are. We talked a little bit about... All of the predictions in the scriptures that talk about that this world's going to get really, really bad uh, as, as we move closer and closer to the end, and that, that things like this have been happening for some time, and that God said these things were going to happen, and we, we are these people that we say that we believe the Bible, and we trust God, we trust what God says, we trust His Word, and when the Bible says things like, man, it's going to get bad, Next, next, next chapter. Next, next chapter. You're gonna, you're gonna have struggles in this life. Next, you know, they, they hated me. They're gonna hate you. Next, I love you, and I'll always love you and take care of you. You're my precious one. <laughs> they're not trusting in the promises. I trust in God's promises, the good ones, not the ones that I, that I don't like. And, and 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 we have this question: What is God doing? Because we are we our our whole lives. And the things that we think are important are completely disrupted. And if the things that I think that are important, if they're really important, well, God obviously thinks they're important because he thinks I'm important. And so my list of important and his list are important are the same. And now my things that are important have been completely disrupted. That's really weird because why would God do that? Because the things that matter most are the things that I care about. And now they're... What is he doing? And so we, we you know, again, in, in 30 seconds, that obviously you can't ask me for 30 seconds, we end up being closer to 90 seconds as they're doing like this, as they've got to get to their meetings. Like, man, I didn't want to bring up coronavirus. Because um, talking about God's will and just kind of... This thing that I think that God is doing for sure, more than anything, is he, he really is trying to, he's trying to resort our list of the, of the things that we have decided are the most crucial. The things that, we'll just say it this way, the things that determine what life really is. Those things have been disrupted and God is trying to, 
He, he, he's trying to reorient our lists. And so here we're going to be in John chapter 6. And, and Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with just a very, very um, small amount of food. And so he has shown himself, one, to be an incredible miracle worker. He has shown himself to be someone who not only is an incredible miracle worker, but also has the ability to provide food for people who are, who, who are hurting, who are poor, who have nothing. And so clearly this is a man of God and a man of God who has the things that these people desperately need, which is food. Because a, a lot of the people who were initially attracted to him were, 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 were the poor, the ones who were really physically struggling. And so he's interacting with them as they're kind of coming to him, essentially with this idea of, man, I, I like that. Can, can we have more of that? What does that mean? How, do, how can we be close to you? And what does it mean to be close to God? You know, and I don't, it's hard to say that, that poor people who are starving have mixed motives. I mean, you don't want to say that. It's like, it's not just attraction to Jesus, but it's also a real interest in being connected to this one who has access to what seems to be a limitless amount of food. And so they're coming to him and they're asking questions. And in John chapter 6, verse 27, he says this to them. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now to pause here just a second, it really is... Maybe strange is the right word? A strange thing to say to people who are starving, who don't know where their next meals are coming from, and to say to them, don't worry about food. It's one thing for me to tell you, hey, don't worry about food. Like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really worried about food. Thanks for saying that, I guess. I mean, but to say to them, I mean, there, there's a... There's a, there's a there's a greater power to somebody who desperately needs food if you say to them, don't think about that. But for food that endures to eternal life. And then verse 28, they asked the money question. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? That's a very interesting phrasing of that question. For those of you who are familiar with kind of Jesus and the gospel I mean, this is really essentially, to use a sports metaphor, it's putting the ball on the tee for Jesus, man. He's just kind of just just setting him up here. What do we have to do in order to do the things that God requires? What must we do? And Jesus' simple answer, verse 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. He could have said any number of things. He could have gone through all of the lists, all the do's, all the don'ts. He could have said, man, you've seen Leviticus. It's kind of thick. I don't really have time to recite all of that to you. And in case you haven't read it, Deuteronomy, it says all the same things twice. I mean, surely if you've, if, if you've been through the scriptures, you've read all of these things twice. Why, why are you bothering me? He, he, he didn't talk about the Ten Commandments. He didn't talk about murder. He, he didn't talk about any of those things. He skipped past all of it. Let me tell you, there's really just the one thing. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. We'll say it this way. The work that leads to eternal life is faith. It's one of those things, I say it a lot, and even as I'm putting it in my notes earlier this week, send it off to the slide guys, which I got all my slides and verses 
right this week, if you were here last week, and the, no, no, no sarcastic claps from the tech booth. We don't need, not one bit of that. Um, as I was putting in, it's like, man, we just, I feel like we just say this a lot, say this a lot, say this a lot. Hey, man, it's not about what you do, it's about putting your faith in Jesus. It's not about what you do, it's about putting your faith in Jesus. Like, man, it, there's this sense in which, like, you know, like okay, okay, we get it. Now, can you tell us some really more creative, more interesting things from the Scripture? And, and I think sometimes, man, I, I take some back all the time. We have to always remember this. Because I think this question creeps up in our minds, even for those of us who understand that, hey, it is only by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ and his death. That's the only way I can have a relationship with God. We think we know that. If I, if I pass out a theology quiz that, that said that, is it, does, does, does being, can you earn your salvation by being good? No, all right, it's, it's, what do you need to do? Trust in Jesus. Man, I feel like that you guys could probably do really well in the quiz, but this, this question, the way that they phrase it, it just pops up in our head. I mean, God, what do, you, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? There's, there's, just, there's, just, there's this thing, this natural thing that we have in us that says, my relationship with God is completely determined by what I do. And if you believe that your relationship with God is determined by what you do, then your relationship with God is going to be completely insecure and, and, and it's going to depend completely on how you perceive your doing that day. And not only are you going to miss the whole thing, but your, your, your day-to-day connection with God is going to be anxious because you think, well, it's like, well, I was better yesterday and today I'm struggling. I've been struggling for a week and what's God, I think God, God's... And, 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 then, and, then a, and then a virus or something happens. I mean, this is God's judgment on me in the way that it specifically affects you more than it affects somebody else. Like, God's out, to, God's out to get me because I haven't been good enough and I have to work to be good enough. And they come to Jesus like, man, what do we got to do to be good enough? What's the line? What's the bar? What do we need to do? And he's like, all you really need to do is believe and trust in me. And I just feel like I, I, I can't say that enough. It is desperately important, whether this is the first time you've ever really heard it, or this is the hundredth time you've heard me say it, and the thousandth time you've heard anybody say it. Your relationship with God is, is, is based on what Jesus Christ did, and you putting your hope and your trust and your belief in that. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so, because bread is on the the front of their mind because of the feeding of the 5,000, they start having this interaction, and they're like, man, and and interesting, you you see this guy multiply a small basket of food to feed 5,000 people, you think that sign's good enough. But they're like, man, do you have it? You have a sign that maybe you can give us that we can know for sure that you're the one. And again, they go to food. Because when Moses was leading people around in the Exodus, God brought this manna, this bread from heaven. He brought it down every day. And, and, and there was this sign every day because of this physical uh, provision of bread 
um, it, we, we knew that, that, he, that, 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 that Moses was from God. And so can you, can, you do, can, you do something, can you do something like that? And he's like, man, God's already doing that. There is already this bread that is out there that will give you life each and every day. I don't know, because there's only really one response to that. Give me, give me, uh, give that to me. Where is this bread? How do I get it? Verse 35, John chapter 6. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at that last day. So man, Moses, man, they, they, they had this deal where they had this, they had this bread in it and it came down every day. Is there, is there any way that you can make sure that that, that bread, that, that, that bread can, that can, can come, we can have that? And he's like, God's already done it. He's like, where do we get it? And then he says, I am the bread of life. I, 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 am, I am that bread. And at this point, you know, these people are paying attention. You know, there's got to be a, a bit of confusion, probably a bit of disappointment. Man, he, it's a metaphor. I, I wanted bread. And he's, 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 talking about, he's talking about himself. And um, I completely... Completely don't relate to that at all. Because I ask Jesus for things that are, I ask Jesus for specific things, and he gives me something else. I'm always very happy and content with that. It's like, oh yes, I'm sure this thing that you want is way better than the thing that I want. I'm, I'm, never, I'm, I'm never disappointed. So if they were thinking this, I, I totally judge them. <laughs> I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So we'll say it this way. Jesus is the source of life. He's the source of life. He's the, he's the bread, he's the bread of life. Now there is no bigger fan, and if you want to, you know, argue about this later, you can send me an email about this. I don't mind about this, but there's no bigger, there's no bigger fan of bread than me. I, I like bread. And in fact, you can you who, who this is me. I, I hate to do this to people out there because I can't see. Who here judges like whether or not you really want to go to a restaurant, you want to go back to the restaurant, not necessarily based on their main dishes, but the quality of the free bread that they send out? <laughs> Man, it's not near enough. Okay. Like, like you just like, you, know, you think, like, not a huge Red Lobster fan, but if you told me we were going there and some of them cheese biscuits, I was like, Okay. What, what's the minimum I need to order for you to bring me all the cheese biscuits, right? Um, Olive Garden breadsticks. I mean, there's, I don't want to sit here and it's 
Now, I feel like people's going to own a restaurant and be like, how, how come you're not hype up my restaurant? But now, I really love bread. And, and I get this, I get disappointed sometimes. Like, if you, like, you got this big meal with lots of sides, you're at someone's house or whatever, and, and there's not a side of bread. And, I'm, and I kinda, sometimes I lean over and I'd be like, where's the, where's the bread? And it's like, I think the potatoes count as the bread. It's like, potatoes ain't bread. <laughs> or even worse, like, the rice is, is the rice. That's not the same thing as what kind of is. It kind of ain't. Bread is bread. I love bread. But that's not the metaphor that Jesus is using here as like the awesome kind of appetizer or the best of the side dishes, right? And so part of me was like, what the joke I need to make, I said, I need to make a chicken sandwich joke, right? Jesus is the chicken sandwich of life which is like the centerpiece, right? It is the best. Like, what, what, what is better than that? And that's not it either. And I was like, what, what, is the, what is the illustration? And I'm like, there's not one. Not, not for you anyway. Because bread was the singular food that was sustaining them and keeping them alive. These were poor people Meat was a luxury. Fruits and vegetables were a luxury. Anything other than the bread and the water was considered a luxury. It's not that they didn't have it. It's not that they didn't have access to it. But it was, it was bread. Bread was, bread was it for them. Anything other than bread was the, the bread for us. And especially in the context of what are they talking about? He's talking about the, the, the people from Israel going from Egypt to the promised land, this manna would drop and they would make bread out of it every day. And every day for months and years, all they had to eat was this bread that God was essentially dropping from the sky. So in the context of talking about that, in the context of talking to poor people, what Jesus is saying here when he's saying that he is the bread of life, he's like, I am where life is. If you want to live, you must have me. And there is no food illustrate. Like the only illustration that even is conceivable, I think, for us is air. He is the air of life. And there are worship songs that are like that. The air I breathe, right? You, you are life. I mean, a little bit earlier in John, he was, he was talking to this woman in Samaria and was like, man, I am, he, he describes himself as like, a living water that he's he's this water I, I can give you water that will that you'll never be thirsty again the same idea like please please give me that I'm tired of coming out here to this well I would love to have water that will never run out it's like it's me but even that like water I can't say it's just Jesus he's like water because for most of us water is like like some health drink right? Sometimes you drink. Maybe the closest thing I thought of, especially with you people here at this church, is like the way most of you think about coffee, right? Not what literally what coffee is, but the way you treat it, right? It's like, it's, it's, it, it's must. And so he's talking to these poor people. They don't have anything. And the only thing that is keeping them alive is bread. And Jesus looks at them and says, that, that's, that's what I am. And so we don't, have, we don't have any comparison to this because 
If I say, what, what is the thing that is capital L life to you? I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things. You know, there's, I, I've got this food, this food, this food. It's more than food. It's, it's my ability to provide for myself. It's the health and safety of my family and friends. It's my own personal happiness. It's my own pursuit of my career or education. It is, these are the things that are, that are bred to me. And so then you have this question, when Jesus, when it seems like God is taking away all the things that feel like bread and water and air to me, and they're gone, it's like, what is he doing? Because all of the things are gone. And the reminder is simple. I, I am the bread. And if you, are, if you are legitimately listening, and I don't mean this in some kind of cute or judgmental way, if you really are letting kind of the words of this sink in, there is something deep and transformational that is going to have to happen in our own heart and mind about what spiritual life is, about who God is, about who Jesus is, if this is going to be real. Because the most normal way, and normal not in a good way, just normal and typical, the most normal way that people think about it is I've got these different pieces of my life, my family, my work, my, my, my rest time, all these different things, and I've got my spiritual life, and, and the best amongst us have maybe, you know, a, a, a bigger spiritual life, but there's kind of all these different pieces of the pie that come together and form life. And what Jesus is saying is actually, I am I am life. And all of these other things are the side dishes, the luxury items that a good and gracious God allows us to have very, very much of. But when, when we get addicted or put all of our focus here and, 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 and he's just this as opposed to him being the source of life in everything, he is what is sustaining me. We're actually going to spend two weeks on this, not in this passage. He's got another metaphor that we're going to look at a little bit later in the, in the, in the book of John that kind of just delves into this even further because it, was, it seemed to be this primary point that Jesus was desperately trying to get across. You don't, you don't, earn, you don't earn God's favor and then you get life. You connect with God, and that is life. And so I, I don't even know that two weeks can, can kind of break down the, the mental and spiritual and emotional hang-ups that really keep us from really believing that. But we can at least start on it right now. But I want to finish with this. Verse 39, go back to it. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So the work that leads to life is faith. Jesus is the source of that life. And your life in him is secure. Your life in him is secure. I mean, he says this, this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of God 
that I shall lose none of those he has given me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Now, there's a couple of different ways that we use will. There's a couple, I mean, even, even the Bible uses them this way. There's, there's things that you mandate to be true, and there are things that you want to be true. And this is, so there's, there's, there's wish, I wish this would happen. And then there is, I have the authority and the ability to make this happen, and I will make this happen. And I want you to be very clear that in these last two verses, what Jesus is talking about here, um, he's saying, this is, what, this is what will happen. This is what God is going to do. And it says that everyone that the Father has given to him. You're 2,000, you're 2,000 years in the future. You're 2,000 years in the future. So if, theoretically, by your perspective, by your perspective of time and life and the way all these things work, he has not, I mean, you're a will give. All the people that God will at some point give to me, I will keep. No, the ones he has given. As if it's already set. And again, here's, your, here's where your brain's going, and I apologize for that. You're thinking, oh, He's talking about predestination. He's talking about predestination. And once saved, always saved. Now, and now we've got to have some great and glorious theological debate about predestination and once saved, always saved. And, and you've got your verses. If you're one of these people, you got, well, you say that verse, but I've got this verse in James and I've got this verse in Hebrews and I found this other one. And can we just, can we just, maybe just, maybe just for right now, can we just, can we just not? Just, maybe just, just, just not. And you're like, dude, you're the only one talking. <laughs> I get it. <clears throat> Can we pretend for a minute that this is not some theological controversy? That this is not some cute and clever debate that Christians like to have and um, have been having for 2,000 years at least? Let's just, just set that there. And what I want to say to you is this. The God of the universe has set you aside to have life with him. Not based on anything that you did, not any great and glorious work that you did, but just out of his love and the compassion that he has for you. He has set you aside and he has kind of put his seal of promise on you. That if you will come to my son and believe, you will have life now and forever. And when this thing that you call life is over, he will come and get you and bring you back. And you will be with him forever. Controversy aside, theological debates aside, the Almighty God, Father, Creator of the universe looks at you with overwhelming love and compassion and you are secure in the love that He has given you. Which really kind of takes us back to the very first point, the thing that we say over and, and over and over again, that it's not, it's not based on what you do, it's 
It's faith that gives eternal life, not based on anything you do. And it's important to believe in that moment because that's the only way you can really you, you can really have eternal life is by putting your faith, by giving up this idea that you can earn it. It's important in that moment. But it's important in all the other moments because there is something, there is something in your life that is providing you with a measure of security. And, and very likely in the last 12 months or in, you know, more specifically in the last five months, there's probably been some things that have chiseled away at that security. And as you think about your relationship with God, well, I, I, don't, I can't have security there because I'm, 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 I'm still a sinner. I'm not as good as that guy. I'm not as spiritual as I should be. I don't give the way that I should, pray the way that I should, read the Bible the way that I should. I don't do all the shoulds. And, and I've got a pretty good list of shouldn'ts that, that, that I, I do a lot. That can't be where my security is. But what Jesus is trying to communicate to some of the most physically and spiritually and emotionally insecure people that we can imagine, he looks at them and says, if you will believe, then you will be secure with God with real capital L life forever and to the degree that we can relate to them I want you to feel that security that the life that you have with God is really what life is and you have it and God will make sure that you keep it so again as we're going to spend the next couple of weeks just kind of thinking a lot about what this means Jesus as the source of life and security and the trust and the connection and the dependence that we have let's just kind of start a process let's just spend some time just meditating and praying and thinking about all the things that we would have said or maybe still would say is where life is and let's just ask God to help us transition not to feel like we've got to just you know all of a sudden all these things are bad but let's just build on what real life is. Let's ask God, what will it take for me to make Him the real source of life? So let's do that as we pray, as we worship, um, as we give. Uh, for people who are here in the room, we've got our response stations in the back. Our prayer team's been praying for you. And we're just, let's just collectively ask God that we would really connect with this secure eternal life that he's offering. Let's pray.